Battlefield 2042 has been a complete disaster for EA, and the finger-pointing has begun. Good morning, good Thursday morning to you, I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for February 17th, 2022. It comes bright and early every weekday to our patrons who pledge at patreon.com sifted, and it's delayed a couple days for everyone else. If you like our content, we also have a separate podcast feed for our flagship show Game Face, that you can find by searching your favorite podcast service. You'll find the podcast versions of the rest of our content in the same feed you found this. So Battlefield 2042 has been a nightmare, not just for EA, but for players as well. If you were a part of the beta leading up to the game's launch, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was riddled with bugs. Even the skybox would flicker on and off. Just things that would not be in a game that a big-time publisher would expect you to spend 60 or $70 on. It has not improved much since launch. And finally, it appears that the brass at EA has decided that it needs to do something about it. And by do something about it, <laughs> I mean blame the failures of the game on everything but themselves. To be specific, EA is blaming Halo Infinite and COVID for Battlefield 2042's failures. According to website Xfire, EA had a laundry list of excuses for the disastrous launch of its shooter, and there was a town hall where a lot of EA brass got together to discuss its shortcomings. Laura Meal, EA's chief studios officer, said, It's really important to acknowledge when we have misses. This is certainly the case with the Battlefield launch, which failed to meet the expectations of our players and also clearly missed our own expectations. She also cites the aging Frostbite engine as a problem in development and said that they ended up with more new variables in development than they had ever experienced before. She also said the bug count was, quote, at historic levels for a dice game. At no point in this town hall does Melee blame management. This, to me, is the root of the problem. Sure, the developers may have not hit milestones. Sure, the developer's work wasn't top-notch, but ultimately, it's up to management to decide whether to release the game or not. Melee is Chief Studio's officer. There is no way that she had no clue about the state of Battlefield 2042 before it was released. All she had to do was play the beta for literally five minutes, and she could have seen it with her own two eyes. If she's not playing this game before it's released, she's not doing her job. It's as simple as that. And let's rewind a second to the Frostbite engine. It's really sad to see EA management blaming its in-house engine for a game's lack of quality. If you listen to Game Face at all, Matt and I have talked about how trash the Frostbite engine is over and over again. And how do we know it's trash? Because we've talked to people who have worked on it who said it is absolutely awful. Many simple things that are in other middleware programs like Unreal Engine or Unity are nowhere to be found in the Frostbite engine. They have to be built from scratch by the development teams. Other reports have indicated that there's very little information sharing between the various studios at EA that are using the engine. It's a disaster. Everyone knows the Frostbite engine is a disaster. EA needs to figure it out. EA needs to stop being cheap 
and buck up the cash to use Unreal Engine just like everybody else is. There's a reason everyone's using Unreal Engine because it works. There's plenty of support. There's plenty of collaboration. It continues to get better and all that information is shared with everyone who works on Unreal Engine. Get with it, EA. This is one of your biggest franchises and you're essentially ruining it. Now for a couple more stories from the top of your sifts. Hot on the heels of No Man's Sky being announced for Nintendo Switch last week, out of nowhere, Hello Games launched the brand new Sentinel update today. This latest free update adds new robotic friends and foes, new story missions, a complete combat overhaul, and much more. As I said, it's out now. And best of all, Hello Games' Sean Murray says that the updates aren't done by a long shot. This is a textbook case in how to handle a game that launched poorly. EA, take notes. Epic Games' The Matrix Awakens Next Gen demo has hit 6 million downloads in just two months. It's a slightly interactive demo for PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X, but visually, it's mind-blowing. And apparently people agree, because a lot of people have downloaded it to check it out. Epic Games released a ton of other information today around its products and services. It said that total downloads for Unreal Engine increased nearly 40% since the end of 2020. Obviously, the Matrix Awakens demo doesn't hurt that at all. Epic Game accounts have crossed 500 million across Fortnite, Rocket League, and the Epic Game Store. To my point earlier about EA and how it should get in line and work with the Unreal Engine, 48% of unannounced next generation games are being built on Unreal Engine. 48%. Unreal Marketplace customers grew by more than 50% in 2021, and people downloaded more than 32 million Quixel assets last year. Epic is also continuing to push Unreal for all kinds of purposes like the metaverse, though that seems nebulous right now. In short, Epic is taking over. Epic is taking over the world. If it truly ends up being the creator of the metaverse, it's all over. It's ironic that Epic has sued Apple for essentially what it believes is having a monopoly, while at the same time, it's essentially doing the same thing in the games industry. How long until someone sues Epic and the cycle continues? HBO's The Last of Us live-action TV adaptation is now aiming for a 2023 release. HBO's chief content officer, Casey Bloys, stated that it's not going to air in 2022. They are still shooting in Canada. I imagine you will see it in 2023. Bloys also added that he's seen some early episodes and was quote-unquote very excited about its progress. The show is currently filming in Alberta, Canada, and will continue to film until July. Recently, news leaked out that the show will quote-unquote deviate greatly from the games. Also remember that Naughty Dog's own Neil Druckmann will direct some of the episodes. It was announced today that Nacon will acquire Daedalic Entertainment. The two indie publishers were already working together on Lord of the Rings Gollum, but now they're officially joining together in a 53 million euro deal. We curate content for both of these publishers, and obviously we were wrong, but it appeared to us that Datalik was the bigger company, but apparently not. If you look at output, Datalik definitely releases more games, but perhaps they're just not as profitable. Amazon's Diablo-like Lost Ark MMORPG gained 4.7 million new registered users since launching in the West. Another metric of how successful this MMORPG has been its presence on Twitch 
has accounted for over 112,000 streams, with a concurrent peak of 1.2 million viewers who have watched around 60 million hours of the game. It already has one of the highest concurrent player counts in the history of Steam. It's quickly becoming one of the biggest stories of 2022, in the early going at least, and we just featured it on this week's Game Face, so check it out. Last week we reported that The Sims 4 was about to launch a new game pack featuring gay characters and gay marriage. It had hoped to release this pack in Russia, but it cited Russia's archaic laws against LGBTQ content as a reason it was not going to do it. However, EA has now changed direction. The initial decision not to release it in Russia was met with praise, but the community abruptly turned on it for a bunch of reasons. But now EA is saying it'll release the game unaltered and unchanged in Russia, though it is pushing back the release to February 23rd. Quote, We've reassessed our options and realized we can do more than we initially believed and we will now release The Sims 4 My Wedding Stories game pack to our community in Russia, unaltered and unchanged, featuring Dom and Cam. What? How could you not fully investigate what you were able to do or not do with a game's content in Russia before deciding not to release the game in Russia. Why did it take community uproar to convince EA to investigate it fully? It's embarrassing. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's boss fight, where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. Today, I want to talk about fan projects, and more specifically, Zelda fan projects. If you've ever poked around YouTube and you've watched game stuff, undoubtedly at one point or another, one of these videos has popped into your feed, and they'll say Zelda 4K next gen or Zelda 8K, blah, blah, blah. And these are fan projects that are created by rabid fans in Unreal Engine. And some of them are just static scenes, iconic scenes from the franchise. Some build worlds that Link can run around in. And some are just insane mods for existing Zelda games that are completely playable, regardless of what each one is. I've found myself regretting watching the videos. You may say why. And it's not because they're not good. They're actually mind-blowing. For example, the Zelda Ocarina of Time Next Gen project by Rowan Link is stunning. He or she, I'm not sure which actually, has built realistic representations of Kakariko Village in Lake Hylia. And then he's plopped Link down in there to run around and kind of explore the environments. It's incredible. There's no denying it. In fact, it looks better than a lot of games that are announced for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X right now. Then there's the 8K Breath of the Wild fan project. And that is even more amazing because it is a mod of Breath of the Wild that runs in 8K 
and a lot of the terrain, the objects in the world, Link, have all been remodeled so that they look decent in 8K. And this mod is fully playable, complete with enemies, with combat, everything. And so as a longtime Zelda fan, you might think, wow, Shane probably loves this stuff. It's amazing. And to an extent, I do. First of all, I just want to say that I admire the work that these fans are doing. It's amazing what some of these fans have done just downloading the Unreal Engine and just learning how to use it at home. I mean, honestly, it's better than anything Nintendo has created for Zelda so far, as far as technical prowess is concerned, particularly the Zelda Ocarina of Time Next Gen on Unreal Engine 5. It is far beyond, graphically anyway, anything Nintendo has ever released. And so kudos to these people. The, the amount of work also that has gone into this just really is a labor of love. And not even just a labor of love, there's a lot of risk involved too, because everyone knows that Nintendo is very litigious, and there's a chance that you could work on something like this for months and months, only for Nintendo to pull the plug as soon as you share it with the world. So, I admire the skill, the perseverance, and the bravery of the people who are doing this, because it could all be for nothing. You could put up your first YouTube video, and Nintendo could zap it five minutes later, and then continue zapping videos for it going forward. So... I just want to say kudos to the people who are doing this. It's amazing work. No, There's no doubt about it. I am impressed by it, and I think any Zelda fan would be. However, there is a downside to this, and it's hard to put into words. When I first started watching some of this stuff, my eyes were just like really wide, and I was like, wow, this is what could be. This is what could be right now if Nintendo weren't so stubborn with releasing hardware that is so underpowered. But at the same time, there's this level of anticipation that comes with seeing Zelda and Link in 4K for the first time. Seeing Hyrule in 4K for the first time. Seeing the characters from the Zelda franchise, the Gorons, the multitude of races, all of them. Seeing them all in 4K for the first time. And these demos kind of take away from it a little bit. They're kind of spoilers that aren't spoilers. Now, one thing I will say is a lot of these fan projects go for hyper-realism. So when Link is walking through Kakariko Village, it doesn't really look like Kakariko Village. It just looks like a village, <laughs> a 3D village in 4K. It's lost the style. And maybe that's why we've seen Nintendo time and again release Zelda games with stylized visuals instead of just hyper-realistic visuals. Now, obviously, Ocarina of Time, Nintendo kind of went the realistic route. Twilight Princess kind of follows suit. But then you have Wind Waker, which obviously just has incredible cel-shaded visuals. And then there's Skyward Sword, which tones it down a little bit, but still has kind of a cartoony look. It seems like Nintendo figured this out a long time ago, that a hyper-realistic Zelda probably isn't going to cut it. And I agree. Seeing these fan-made projects that just try to make everything look as real as possible, it doesn't look and feel like Zelda. And this is why they're amateurs and why Nintendo are the pros. Nintendo gets things about games and debuting games that makes fans excited, that 
make fans want to see more. The more I looked at the fan-made stuff, the less I wanted to see. Because it just felt like a gigantic spoiler. (laughs) It all did. I'm like, okay, now I've seen Kakariko Village in 4K. Now I've seen Lake Hylia in 4K. There's no way for me to avoid losing a little bit of the excitement when I see the real thing that Nintendo has created. So to me, these fan projects are double-edged swords. Again, I appreciate the work that has gone into them and the talent that's required and the risk. Because again, it could just be taken down immediately if Nintendo finds it and doesn't like it. But I do feel that in a strange way, they do a little bit of disservice to fans like me. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to GMG. I'm Shane Satterfield, and you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at Dinfire. And follow Sifted at Sifted Games. While you're at it, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, make sure that you seize today. Because there will never be another. Another.